0: Somehow, individually, we have to reclaim our experience. You are listening to an artist interview from Chirp Radio. You can find more interviews at chirpradio.org/podcasts. Hi. This is Mick, and you are listening to a Chirp Radio Artist Interview. I am on the line with Eris Drew. How are you doing today, Aris?
1: Hi, Mick. I'm good, thanks. It's uh, lovely to be here with you today.
0: It's lovely to have you on. You have a new album out, Quivering in Time. Correct me if I'm wrong, is this your first full-length LP? It
1: is. It's my first full-length. I've done a few EPs and then some remix work, but this was our first time recording a full album.
0: Can you give us a little bit of background on the title, because it seems like it could be a reference to just the movement of sound through the air, but <laughs> also, also, I'm I'm sure it has other context as well.
1: Well, I mean, fundamentally, I suppose, like formally, musically, like, yeah, that kind of why I gravitated towards that word um, in particular. Um, I love to use tremolos in my work, and you know, I mean, gate style effects are pretty popular for electronic musicians in general, but I especially gravitate to these kind of older, older sounding effect, and so that's why I chose the word quivering. But the album itself, the it comes from a psychedelic idea um you know i was listening to a lot of like terence mckenna last few years and while i think you got to take what he says with quite a grain of salt there's some real wisdom in there and so i was reflecting on the historical moment i i came up with the title before uh the lockdowns and everything and so i was working on the song and i it had a much more like serious title in a sense in the beginning it was called quivering at the end of time but i thought that was like too long of a title and i didn't want to suggest that something morose because this wasn't really what i was like working toward so it became quivering in time which I thought you know kind of reflected the moment I was in
0: and it doesn't have the same sort of finitude as uh as <laughs> right, title either. Right.
1: <laughs> and like even when you know he's talking about these eschatological ideas it wasn't really with the idea of like the world completely ending it's just that that there are these epochs and there are these moments and I've sort of felt that we were teetering on the edge for quite some time I mean I don't think I'm saying anything shocking say, saying that so it finds its way, you know, into your work when you're when you're making songs.
0: And by him, you mean Terrence McKenna? Yeah. Okay, yeah. How do his ideas influence this album? How do they sort of emerge through, through the mix?
1: His lasting wisdom is this idea of really needing to invest in the subjective as like sort of modern beings. So much of our time is increasingly spent and, and you know, in media, in language, and that we need to have these experiences that are in some sense like pretextual or perhaps posttextual, like, like you know psychedelic experiences experiences dancing together experiences in nature you know as some of the boundary defying experiences we have as humans just you know sex or having a baby or it taking care of someone else even anyway his you know his uh, philosophy in this regard was that these were kind of the experiences that would provide a certain kind of wisdom that's missing from the world and someone who for whom culture kind of failed them in a lot of ways a lot of their life Um, Just as a trans person, like I really that message resonated with me because so much of my own experience in life has been sort of like proto textual in the sense that like I didn't have a lot of language for who I was or what I was or who I was supposed to be in this world but I still had a strong sense of what that experience was. So going into this album and thinking about how do I deal with really my my life as I knew it sort of ending and seeing so many friends and loved ones in pain, losing family, like all the things that happened over the lockdown, this idea of the subjective kept coming back because it's just, what else can I say? Like, this is our only life. And so even if we're in lockdown or losing family or like in the worst times of our lives, like we, this is still it for us. So we've got to stay still have these subjective experiences and we've still got to find ways to really embrace you know life in the moment
0: Karen McKenna's philosophy is it seems to me, and I'm not particularly well versed in his work, but it seems to me that it is very much anchored in an experience of nature and that seems to have some pretty interesting overlap with the context in which you made this album which, which was in a cabin in the woods in New Hampshire.
1: I will say finding myself here, which is what happened, uh, I think I approached it differently because of because of my investment in psychedelic ideas. Just to give a little context, I, you know, I live in Chicago for a decade with my partner, and so I moved out here to be with her and I did this right before everything closed down so all of a sudden I found myself here without a tour schedule and sort of stranded in a sense not around my family in a place that I was pretty unfamiliar with Uh, but I'm surrounded by nature like you said I'm in a cabin and I'm in I'm in New Hampshire and it's absolutely beautiful here so the subjective experiences that were kind of available to me as a a professional musician DJ in a quarantine lockdown was to really engage with nature and to spend a lot of time in my studio with my partner. So I think, you know, I knew that that was was going to be what was going to anchor me in this world rather than maybe say, looking for it outside of this place. So I guess in that sense, you know, his basic philosophy would have informed how I spent my time when I was working on the album.
0: that I was curious about, and because you know, I, I enjoy dance music, but I'm not, I'm not part of the culture really at all. Something that I hear people describe it a lot as is kind, kind of like a semi-religious experience. You know, kind of, the, the club is kind of like temple.
1: I do want to say up front that, that they're never utopias. And so sometimes, you know, people from outside the community really try to sell it that way. Like you're going to come and like transcend and, like, and it's like this perfect escape from everything that makes society sick. And it's like, it's more of like a force cave, but... There is something really powerful about the music and about dancing to other people with it. And it seems to tap into something ancient, you know, something that's been around for humans, maybe since our since our beginnings. I mean, that's subject to some debate, but at least for much longer than recorded history. You know, people have been getting together and dancing and, you know, sort of changing their minds, so to speak. You know, it's interesting that we have in this this modern world these dance parties which sort of spring up somewhat spontaneously and, and people are still getting together listening to the repetitive drum you know i don't want to do cultural whitewashing here so i mean to say that these parties have all the spiritual energy of like an indigenous ceremony and, and nobody should say that what we find are some of the same sort of technical attributes meaning like loud music repetition psychedelic use you know certain celebratory aspect to the whole thing it's like you know the most quote spiritual dancing experience tend to be durational so you know dancing for hours dancing till the morning light keep on pumping it up till you love it you know like all the sort of <laughs> cliches of dance music mm-hmm. they're the commandments so to speak you know i was never able to have fun at a sports game or like um, oh, you know i'm not someone who wants to jump out of an airplane there are ways to like experience community experience some think physical and powerful in this sort of rite of passage, but something really magical about dance events and the kinds of experiences I, I've had at some of them can only be described as like life-changing or mystical or <laughs> spiritual on some level. It sounds so woo-woo to anyone who hasn't maybe been through it, but it's, you know, dancing for six hours to this, this pulsation music is gonna really change you on a physiological level. And that's that's provable. That's scientific. That's not woo woo. So, so if someone really digs into the experience, you know, they're going to have a, probably going to have a pretty profound, profound time out. <laughs> um, yeah, that's why I say at the beginning, you know, I just never want to paint these events as utopias because that's not what people are going to find when they walk through the door. They can find some sense of utopia there, but it's going to be more of like a, a personal and, and interpersonal kind of exploration.
0: Right, right. It can help things that are already there waiting to be discovered surface but there there might be other stuff that comes up too Um, did you want to comment on the Travis Scott incident? Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Safety at events is something that is constantly on my mind. So to call it Travis Scott is to say yeah, yeah I've been thinking about it because I'm always thinking about it. And it, I, I think that the discussion around what happened there is is good because it's really talking about the line between the responsibility of the artist and between the promoter.
0: What can an artist do to try and make a safe place for people who come to see them?
1: I mean, first thing, you know, if you're music artists and you're playing in clubs, getting to know the people you're working with is kind of important so it's good to start how to form relationships with venues over time. So you can get a sense, you know, do they just have an anti-harassment policy? Is it just like a policy or do they actually, have they trained their security on like say, you know, pronouns, how nice trans people? You know, how diverse are the staffs? Like things like this will go, give you some sense of how safe a place might be for people but you know there's always going to be an aspect though you can't control like um like when i was playing in in manchester uk recently and it was a huge party and they were like it was wild there were even like pyrotechnics and stuff at this thing which i didn't know going in and i was like this is like a real this is like a real concert like this is like a real concert i'm like this isn't just like a dance party and i'm like i'm like it looks dangerous from up here it just does. And, I, and, and as far as I'm aware, that was a perfectly fine event. It was when you're looking down at that many people all pushed together, it's kind of like, gosh, if this went another direction, wouldn't it be dangerous?
0: just to sort of close things out do you have anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't chat about yet or or in blue of that any shout outs that you wanted to give oh gosh i mean in
1: terms of talking about anything i just I guess i'd want to say how much chicago means to me and i never would have recorded this album if it weren't for my experiences there chicago's not always an easy town but i take it with me everywhere i go and, and I, I i love her and so coming and being on the radio with you today felt really nice. Oh,
0: yeah. Uh, it's it's my pleasure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um in terms of shout outs, um I definitely want to shout out Octa Octa cuz you know, it's hard writing an album all by yourself and you know, because of her strength and her belief in my music and belief I could really engineer it myself even though we weren't, you know, getting the kind of feedback we get playing it in clubs. You know, I don't, I I don't, I don't know if it would have happened cuz uh, she really wanted us to release it on our own label and to put our own context behind it and to do our own art. You know, all the kinds of things you can do when you're doing it yourself. So I'm super grateful
0: for her. Well, this has been Mick in conversation with Eris Drew. Eris has a new album out on her own label, T4T Love NRG, and it's called Quivering in Time. Thank you so much for your time today, Eris.
1: Thank you, Mick. I appreciate it so much.
0: This has been an artist interview from Chirp Radio. You can find this and more interviews at chirpradio.org slash podcasts.